Good morning. This is Valerie Leonard. I am the founder of Nonprofit Utopia. I want to say thank you so much for joining us this morning. And for those of you who may not know, this is the month where we're focusing on volunteer management programs in the Nonprofit Utopia community. We have already talked about how you can plan for volunteers. And today, we're going to focus on recruitment and supervision. All right, so without further ado, I am going to share my screen. But if you're just stopping through, please um, don't leave without saying who you are, where you're from. And if you could also post in the chat um, some of the, I guess, issues that you have with volunteer management, whether they're positive, whether they're negative. You know, any advice you might consider sharing, you know, things that have worked for you. And then the most important thing, if you have any questions or comments, please be sure to leave those questions and comments in the chat room and I will acknowledge them after we're done. All right, so I'm going to share my screen. Give me a moment. Alrighty, so again, we're focusing on this month on making the most of your volunteer management program. This is our second session and we're focusing on recruitment and supervision of volunteers. And if you're out there in the audience, I am encouraging you again to post and share. And if you wanna keep abreast of what's going on, um, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. A little bit about Nonprofit Utopia. We are the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders, and we have a safe space in which our members can innovate, speak candidly about issues that are of concern to them. They can ask questions of me, ask questions of other members. And the most valuable thing, I believe, is the resources that we have to share. Our mission is to develop the next generation of ethical nonprofit leaders, and we provide ongoing professional development and networking opportunities where we have more experienced nonprofit leaders sharing their experiences with our younger um, generation of ethical leaders. And the overarching goal of the community is to give our members the tools that they need in order to not only develop their own leadership skills, but to develop sustainable organizations. And globally, our vision is to strengthen the global nonprofit sector by providing training and development opportunities for up to 50,000 emerging nonprofit leaders throughout the world between now and 2033. You wanna learn more about us, go to nonprofitutopia.com. You wanna join us, you can do so at nonprofit.com. I'm sorry, nonprofitutopia.mn.co. A little bit about myself. I have over 30 years in this space, the nonprofit space. And this has been as an employee with a large, um, large hospital system in finance. It's also been 
My experience has been in running a small nonprofit and I have done consulting and just recently started Nonprofit Utopia about three years ago. But regardless, my job is to help clients move the needle on some of their most pressing problems. You know, I help them answer questions like, how do I start a new organization and stay out of trouble? You know, where can I find good board members who will buy into the organization's mission and help raise money? And how can we put together a collaborative of other organizations that serve the community without getting lost in it and also making sure that we provide an impact to the community? How do we strengthen the community while we strengthen ourselves? So over the years, I've helped over 900 people meet their professional goals and help them raise over $100 million in funds. And this includes through grant writing, as well as technical assistance. All right. So we talked about planning last week, right? So we talked about the fact that planning is the key to success. You needed to recruit a team of organizational stakeholders, including other volunteers to help develop a written plan. And your plan should address an assessment of your organization's readiness for volunteers, your goals and objectives for engaging the volunteers, a budget for the resources that you need, um, staff preparation, training, and support. And we talked about how it might take longer upfront, but the investment is well worth it because you uh, protect your organization over the long term, you minimize the risks and liabilities. You also increase your capacity by being able to tap into volunteer skills. All right, and what we're gonna talk about today is recruitment. We're gonna talk about recruitment, supervision, and even termination of volunteers. Nonprofit Utopia members, you have access to a link to downloadables that will help you, you know, to navigate volunteer management. So everything we talk about over the month, you have downloads in that folder and you can begin to use those examples today. All right, so we're gonna talk about recruiting volunteers. And as with anything, you wanna take into account your organization's mission, vision, core values, your strategic plans, your programs and services, your volunteer management plans, your current organizational needs for volunteers, and diversity. And you really want to take it a step further, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So the first thing we're going to think about, you know, other than, you know, what's in it for your organization, I mean, that's pretty obvious as you do your strategic planning, but what's going to attract the volunteers is what's in it for them, right? So you want to identify what benefits the volunteers will receive and use that to lead your recruitment messaging. And it might be helpful to go through an exercise where you're actually um, identifying value, right, for the volunteers. What skills will they develop? Is it a chance to learn about social marketing or the legal system or some other process, right? Can they build a network that will help them professionally or in business? Can they use this as an opportunity, you know, in the event that they're thinking about starting their own organization 
or even changing careers? Can they use this as a launching pad to get the skills where they can be more credible to nonprofit employers? So think about that because, you know, remember, they're giving you their time, right? You need to make it worth their while. Other questions to consider, can they see up close and personal how their work impacts the community that you serve? Is it forming a strong and lasting relationship with the child? So, you know, there are people who are very passionate about youth. Sometimes they um, get into volunteers so they can actually mentor and have a long-term relationship with younger people to make sure that they're helping to guide them professionally. Is it a long and lasting relationship with someone who's not necessarily a child, but a younger professional? Is it an opportunity to help develop their leadership and their management skills? So think about, again, what's in it for them and what gives them joy? Is it an opportunity to get to know people of a background and culture different from their own? You want to be as specific as you can about what you're looking for, but at the same time, you want to be specific as you can about what it is that you offer, right? So that when the volunteer reads it, you know, they can look at the position description and say, hey, they're talking about me. All right. So again, you want to be as specific as you can be in the description. Um, you want to make sure that you manage the expectations. You don't want to provide unrealistic expectations, but you do want to make sure that you are putting things in a description that are to the organization's benefit, because after all, you're using this as an opportunity to build your organization's capacity. But at the same time, you want to give the applicants the opportunity to self-reflect and uh, self-select, see if this is really an opportunity that they want to pursue and give them an opportunity to weed themselves out before they come in for an interview and waste your time in theirs. And again, you want the volunteer to say, hey, they're talking about me. And here are some things that organizations who run successful volunteer management programs have in common. One, they're clear about the skills and background that is needed in order to accomplish this task. They're not just giving busy work, right? They have engaged the entire staff, board, and community in their recruitment efforts. They use a variety of approaches to get the word out. And this could be things like online listings, newsletters, staff communications, and one-on-one -on -one outreach. They have created an interesting and eye-catching volunteer listing that grabs people's attention and generates excitement. So when we talk about getting the word out, there's a whole number of ways that you can get the word out. And here are a few examples. You want to start with the people who are closest to you, right? So your board and staff, um, they can tap into their networks and get people to come aboard. You have an organizational newsletter. You can work with your United Way. And just so you know, um, the United Way, the vast majority of their value comes from volunteers. Most of their work is done through volunteers. So they will be an awesome, awesome 
resource for you to help you develop your program. And then you can also work with them and see if they can leverage some of their volunteers to come and help out your organization as well. You can do public service announcements or what we call PSAs. Get those for free on television and radio. You can go through other volunteers. You can post in your local community newspaper and even do an article that generates excitement around your organization and volunteerism. You know, you might want the article to highlight some of the volunteers and some of the accomplishments they've made and some of the fun work that they're engaged in. Obviously, social media, you know, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Um, now we're looking at Volunteer Match, Craigslist, and Idealist.org. Those are all places where you can post your volunteer opportunity. Okay, so now we're going to get into application and screening. So you want to use your application process to help you determine fit up front. You know, it's not just a matter of getting name and address, right? You want to use this as an opportunity to figure out, you know, what makes people tick and where they might best fit within your organization. So ask questions like, you know, what are their interests and why are they volunteering? You know, if they have any special skills that could be used in the organization, you, you want to use this as an opportunity to gather that information. You also want to know if they're just looking to work with you on a project-by-project -project basis for the short term. You know, it, it might be a student who only can work with you for a semester. Is it someone who can do a long-term commitment for you? So it, it, it's going to vary uh, the type of assignment that you give people based on how much time they have and the skills that they have. And then um, you want to help you, you know, you want to take all of this information and ideally you want to enter this information in a database, not just keep it on a paper file, because then you'll begin to run reports and get a profile. You can run a report and get a snapshot of the type of person that volunteers with you, um, as well as the types of opportunities. So knowing these things is going to help you to get the most out of your volunteers, as well as provide an enriching experience for the volunteer. So you want to create a win-win situation. So you also want to make sure that you have a good match, right? So do you have a good set of interview questions? And again, you want to work with the people online, and when I say online, the front lines, who are actually doing the program work, who are actually doing the fundraising work, who are actually doing the project work get their insights and work with them to develop a good set of interview questions. And make sure too that you're documenting the responses to those questions. And if the selection is competitive, meaning that you know, you're not just signing on anybody who volunteers, you actually are screening and going through a competitive process. You might have 100 people apply, but 10 slots. So if your selection is competitive, you want to make sure that you have a set of criteria 
that you use to select and that the criteria are objectives, right? And when I say objective, it's not subject to your own preferences. You like this person better than that person. You know, you're looking at whether or not these people have the experiences and skills that match um, the skills that you're going to need in order to get that volunteer assignment done. So it's really important, especially if this is a competitive situation, to have the criteria that you're using and a scoring rubric and some ranking in the event that there are questions asked and you're not caught off guard, all right? So successful screening and in-depth interviews can prevent many types of supervision liability and management problems with volunteers, right? Again, a lot of this is all about risk management, right? And then the interviews also make it easier for you to place a volunteer in a role that they see appropriate and appealing. So you want to make sure that the interview is with the volunteer manager, but also make sure the interview is with the person who's actually going to be supervising the person's work. You want to manage expectations, you know, because volunteers come in, you know, they're volunteering and they have a certain set of criteria that they have already established internally within themselves that they want to get out of a volunteer assignment. You, the organization, have your own needs, right? So you have to make sure that there's a really good match. You know, a volunteer could be motivated by things like a desire for service, interest in learning new skills, um, developing his or her leadership ability, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to be cognizant of what it is that they're looking for and what they expect. So this chart uh, was put <clears throat> was put together um, forgive me by another group whose name escapes me right about now I have their name in another slide but this is what they suggest you know you um, put together on one column uh, what the volunteer is looking for and next to it what your organization is looking for. So for example, a volunteer typically values, you know, who they wanna help. You know, they might wanna help children. They might wanna help um, elderly people. They may wanna help young professionals. So think about what it is that they wanna do, what issues they care about. But at the same time, you have an obligation to make sure that you're fulfilling your mission and vision for the organization. You also have an obligation to make sure that there is um, board and staff diversity. You need to also take into account who's going to be served. The volunteer has values about workplace culture, and the organization already has an established culture, whether that's formal or informal. And when we think about culture, that's the environment, the way we do things, you know, is it a studious environment? Is it fun? How are decisions made? You know, are decisions made on the fly? Do you have to go through um, 
a committee? Do you have votes? Is it consensus and all of that stuff? And you need to make sure that there's a meshing, so to speak, of what the volunteers' values are and help them understand what the organization's values are so that you can minimize conflict. A volunteer is also going to have preferences about using and developing certain skills. And quite frankly, they're probably looking to acquire certain skills. So does your organization have a mechanism where this volunteer can help develop those specific skills he or she is looking for? But at the same time, are you making sure that the organization's needs are being met, right? You need to consider what skills, what knowledge or expertise are necessary in order to meet your organization's goals and objectives. Um, a volunteer is going to have preferences about the structure and the benefits of a volunteer opportunity. Again, what's in it for the volunteer? What's the structure like? Is it um, like pins and needles trying to navigate you know, your bureaucracy, right, in order to volunteer? Or is it easy, right? You want to make it easy, but at the same time, you need to make sure that the organization is protected. So you want to take into account the structure and the benefits of the volunteer opportunity. You want to look at independence, you want to look at hours, social opportunities, but at the same time, you also want to uh, make sure that you minimize liabilities for the organization. So speaking of minimizing liabilities, one way to do that, that's not the only way, but one way to do it is through background checks. So if you work with particularly vulnerable populations, um, say seniors or children, um, women who have suffered abuse, and quite frankly, in this age of COVID, you really need to make sure that their policies regarding background checks, uh, whether or not you've had your vaccinations and all of that stuff, right? So, and all of that stuff needs to be documented in your policy and handbook. And it's a good idea to include background check permission forms and confidentiality agreements with your application materials. And in fact, not only with your application materials, this information needs to be reinforced during orientation. And if you want a comprehensive overview regarding the applicable laws that organizations really need to know about and how to properly screen your volunteers, the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse has developed a consumer guide that you can download. And then Sterling Volunteers has an overview of eight popular background checks for volunteer organizations. Now we're gonna talk about orientation and training. So the first part of the coin is orientation and orientation happens after you select your, your volunteers, right? So what is it that they need to know before they start their volunteer assignment? They should have a good overview of the organization, its mission, vision, core values, and accomplishments. They should know who the key players on the board are, 
as well as the key players throughout the organization. And let's be clear, they're not going to have ready access to all of the people, but they really need to understand who plays what role in the success of the organization, right? And in the impact, it gives them context. You should have testimonials from other volunteers, from clients, from board and staff, so they can see different perspectives of why it's important to work with your organization and with the cause that your organization addresses. You should have highlights of the strategic plan and specific programs. You should also review the volunteer handbook and any policies and procedures. You should review the specific job description and tasks that they're gonna be responsible for. They should understand expectations that the organization has for itself, as well as the organization that the volunteer has, right? So there should be a mutual exchange of expectations. And then you should have a signed commitment from the volunteer and the employee. So there's a meeting of minds as to what the volunteer is going to get, what the organization is going to get, how they're going to work together. And, you know, there should also be in this orientation an opportunity to meet key stakeholders. So maybe a reception or something where they are meeting members of the board, meeting people from the community, meeting your clients that, that you've helped so they can understand how their work fits in within the context of what it is the organization is trying to do. It will be helpful to have a facility tour and a Q&A session. And training, you know, training is specific to that person or that group of people who are carrying out very specific projects and tasks, right? So the training is going to be tailored to that specific set of tasks. And then there should be ongoing training and development. And in an ideal situation, there should also be an opportunity for volunteers to see a path. You know, once they've mastered certain skills, you know, where can they go next so they can round out their skills and then this will make them marketable to other uh, places. And even, even for your own organization, you know, as openings come up on your board, your junior board, your advisory councils, or even with your staff, this will help you identify potential people to bring on to the organization as vacancies arise. You want to make sure that you have a clear set of training materials like manuals, slideshows, or workshops. You know, this will help them get off to a great uh, start, but it also helps you maintain quality of your volunteers and the service that you can provide to your clients. And two, it also adds an extra layer of protection in terms of liability for your organization. Well-trained 
employees as well as well-trained volunteers minimize the risks of any legal fallout. All right, so here are a couple training resources. Um, Betty Stallings wrote a book, Training Busy Staff to Succeed with Volunteers, the 55-minute training series, and she gives advice on how to run a volunteer training session. And then we also have another book from Betty. She provides specific advice on how to train event volunteers, so how to produce fabulous fundraising events. And she has areas that focus on the volunteers because you know volunteers can make or break the success of your events. So additional resources are from AHIMA. They have a body of knowledge, um, developing effective trainings. And then you've got the Volunteer Hubs blog. They have four easy to implement volunteer training tips or seven elements to a successful volunteer program. And then the National, uh, the Corporation for National and Community Service, they have a database or a repository of volunteer trainings. And remember the Corporation for National Community Service, these are the same people who sponsor AmeriCorps VISTA volunteers. So it would behoove you to really understand what they're looking for and how they manage volunteers. And you can incorporate some of those lessons into your own volunteer management system. And that way, if you get AmeriCorps VISTA volunteers, you're already you know, in compliance with what it is that they're looking for. Okay, so next we'll talk about supervision, dismissal, recognition, and feedback. So pretty much like paid staff, you're going to actually assess the performance of your volunteers. And that increases accountability, and it also makes for a more meaningful experience for you, the volunteer manager, or program manager, or you, the volunteer. All right, so you also want to make sure that the volunteer is working with a supervisor, you know, who really understands the task at hand, understands the job, and this is someone that they can go to with questions. And then larger organizations might want to consider partnering a volunteer with a paid staff member, create a buddy system. All right. And it's really helpful to have someone in charge, a point person who supervises the volunteer work again, so that you're increasing the value of the experience. You're also increasing accountability. You're increasing the impact of the experience, increasing productivity. You are creating a valuable experience for the volunteer because they know what to expect. They know that they can go somewhere and get their questions answered. So here's some tips for effective volunteer supervision. First of all, you want to make sure that you communicate expectations that should be done in the application process. It should be done during the orientation process. It should be done during the onboarding process and ongoingly as you supervise the, the volunteer. 
All right, so this can be done through position descriptions, through informal meetings, a volunteer handbook, orientation and training, ongoing evaluation and review. You also want to make sure that you provide ongoing guidance and support. The worst feeling in the world is to be volunteering and nobody, you know, there's nobody you can talk to to guide you along, right? So you want to make sure that there's someone who can communicate expectations, give clear instructions, check they can check in with, they can give feedback so that you make sure that the volunteers have everything that they need in order to be successful. And then you want to make sure that you recognize the volunteers. You know, remember you don't have money to give. These are all volunteers. So you want to make sure that you recognize their accomplishments, right? So these are personal accomplishments as well as the collective of the group of volunteers, as well as uh, how these volunteers have impacted the whole organization in realizing goals and objectives. And then also, you need to think about this upfront. You know, the most awkward thing in the world is to be in a position where you have to fire a volunteer, but you hadn't really thought about the process in advance. So when you develop your handbook, you also need to have a section about um, performance, about progressive discipline. Um, you need to, you know, just like you would have those systems in place for paid professionals, you want to make sure you have those descriptions in your volunteer handbook, right? You, you know, because you don't want to be in a situation where you have ineffective volunteers who are causing the organization more problems than they're solving, right? And the worst thing is to have them impact the quality of service to your volunteers or even have tension between the volunteers and the people that you, that work for you for, you know, for salary. So all of that needs to be clarified up front. And again, have it in the handbook. And this minimizes risk to the organization because you know whenever you have to dismiss anyone, be it a board member, be it a staff member, or other volunteers, you open yourself up for litigation and having everything documented in your handbook, you know, different processes, procedures, and consequences, right? Having all that up front and having the volunteer sign off on it, as well as the, the manager who will be working with that volunteer, all of that helps minimize risk to the organization. All right. And recognition, right? So you want to recognize the work of your volunteer and Obviously, one way to do this is to say thank you um, and say thank you publicly where everybody can see um, the people who are being thanked, handing out awards, giving people mentionings in newsletters, writing articles about them, making sure those articles and press releases go out to the local press. And here's a book by Jean Bratner. She wrote a book, Leading Volunteers for Results, Building Communities Today. 
And she has a whole list of ways that you can recognize volunteers. And as you can see from her list, recognition is more than certificates. Recognition is more than saying thank you, even though certificates and thank you are very common ways to do it, there are other ways, right? So you want to take the time to develop a personal relationship so that you can understand what motivates each volunteer, right? And then you can use that knowledge to determine which recognition is appropriate. You wanna give them tasks where they'll be successful and also tasks where they will grow, give them some sense of progression and help them you know, structure this opportunity in their resume. Give the volunteers whatever training that they need to perform well and thank them genuinely and appropriately. Give them feedback so that they can improve and also use this feedback as mostly an opportunity to praise and thank. You wanna invite volunteers to participate in the decision-making and even you know, developing the scope of work, right? For the volunteers, you know, because the volunteers can provide a unique perspective of what works for other volunteers. You want to promote volunteers to other roles where they could take you know, better advantage of their skills, where they can add to their skills. And you want to get feedback from your volunteers, again, so that they can know, so you can know how you're doing in terms of providing the right environment for them, right? Ask them to recruit others. See, all of these are ways of showing that you value them, that you recognize them. You're not just taking advantage of, of them, right? Um, and you're giving them opportunities beyond doing mass mailings. You want to make sure that the volunteers are doing work that's meaningful. And it's important for them to know the outcomes of the program. How has their volunteerism directly impacted the organization's ability to provide programs and services that have a direct impact? on the community? How have your clients been positively impacted as a direct result of the work of the volunteers? All right, and again, we wanna say thank you early and often. All right, so you wanna treat in volunteers as individuals. You know, you can treat them as one of many, which you would do at a very minimum, but it's more important to treat the volunteers as unique individuals. So what this chart does is give you a comparison as to what it's like when you're volunteering as one of many, you know, so you're just a face in the crowd versus treating the volunteer as unique. So an impersonal way is gatherings or communication that thank people as a group. Treating the volunteer as unique is thanking the individual volunteer. Um, indirect 
is general statements expressing appreciation to the group and direct is communicating directly to the person so that they know specifically what it is that they did that makes them stand out, what it is they did that makes them appreciated as an individual. Um, when you're looking at volunteers as one of many, a non-specific way is to do it and just talk about uh, this group of people. You know, you know, we've all seen ceremonies where we give a certificate of appreciation. Everybody gets the same certificate and you might just call off their names pretty much like you do for graduation. A more specific way to do that, if you're going to have your, your ceremonies where you're thanking people in a group, make sure that you mention specifically what this person has done to contribute to the organization and the lives of your clients. And then when we look at the volunteer as one of many, you know, when we look at a formula, you know, you've got standard statements that you use for the group. And again, you have people, you know, all standing up as a group or they're all on the stage as a group and all that stuff. And that's good. But what's even more authentic is to make sure that you can speak from the heart, have someone speak from the heart and give sincere, specific public statements as to how each individual made a contribution to the organization and their clients and communities. You also want to think about impact and collective accomplishments. So even though the collective accomplishments in and of themselves can seem somewhat impersonal and uh, cookie cutter, it's still important to recognize how the various volunteers fit in with the overall accomplishment of the organization. So this is from Susan Ellis. And she suggests that instead of simply giving volunteers awards for their time, you wanna celebrate their collective accomplishments. And the way you would message, message this is, you know, you want to make sure that the award might say, helping to feed over a hundred families in the community versus nine hours of service. Now we do realize that in some cases, you know, some people you're working with, there is gonna be a need to um, share the numbers of hours that they have volunteered. But when you're talking about the public recognition, it's also a very, very powerful Thing to indicate how they're helping to impact the whole community. All right. And then she also has a book, Celebrate Collective Accomplishments, Not Volunteer Time. And you can find that on Energize Inc. All right. And it's important, it's very important to get feedback from the volunteers. What do they think about their experience, right? So you're not just trying to use them for free labor, right? And their time, their time is very valuable, right? So you want to understand how they feel about the work. Is the work meaningful? Is the work fun? 
Is it worthwhile? How can you improve their experience? What's working well, right? And you don't want to just get their feedback. You want to make sure that you actually change the program accordingly based on the feedback that you give. All right. And when you do that, that increases the sustainability of your program. And in this case, when we talk about sustainability for volunteer programs, we're talking about how do we make sure that our volunteer program lasts beyond the gala, lasts beyond the project. You know, if you want your volunteer program to be an ongoing program, it's really important to take into account the volunteer feedback, right? So you want to get feedback to, you know, get a sense for what, what works, what doesn't work, where the flaws are. And also, it might be helpful to do a survey, do a focus group interview. And if they're going to be in ongoing positions, you want to have an annual survey. And then over time, you can see how the changes, you know, how the responses change. And you can use that as a measure of quality. You can also use it as a measure of improving your capacity. And then, you know, as I think about the survey too, you also want to be able to capture um, somewhere, you know, if not on this volunteer program survey where you're talking to the volunteer or trying to get information from the volunteer, but someone needs to be taking track of what we call leverage. You know, so for every volunteer that you have, how much value is being created? How many other resources are you able to generate for the organization, be it other volunteers, be it cash resources? You know, are you leveraging your volunteers? Ideally, for every volunteer, you want to be able to leverage three additional dollars or four additional dollars. Uh, a leverage of four to one is great. All right. So by taking the time to assess and evaluate your programs, you make them more sustainable. How? By limiting the repeated mistakes. You're minimizing the risks and liabilities on a legal perspective, as well as a financial perspective. You're fixing errors. You're maintaining the quality. You're also improving relationships. You're improving your brand. And this word of mouth will help you attract more volunteers and other resources. So the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, they put together a volunteer program. They have a volunteer feedback form and you can do a search of that on the internet. If you are a member of the nonprofit Utopia community, links to all of these resources will be in our community. And 501 Commons, and 501 Commons, just so you know, they are a source for a lot of this information as well. That was the name of the organization that whose name escaped me. So 501 Commons used an annual volunteer survey to get feedback from their volunteers. And then along with conducting a program evaluation with the volunteer, you might consider having an individual performance review and that can help 
you know, increase accountability, maintain high standards. And in some cases, you know, there are organizations that uh, refer volunteers to you, you know, for example, schools or maybe a corporate program. They want to know how their employees are doing with you. They want to know how their students are doing with you. So you also want to be able to share feedback with whoever might be sponsoring them to let them know how well their volunteers are doing. And again, that also strengthens the relationship that you have between the organizations and your partners. All right, so I am encouraging you all to post any comments, any questions that you might have, any experience you have managing volunteers, what has worked for your organization, what has not worked so well, any links to resources that you might have, please share that in the chat. And as soon as this is over, I will um, attend to any questions you have and make sure that I share your resources. All right, so I'm gonna take a few minutes to talk about nonprofit utopia programs that are coming up. Next week, we will start a masterclass. It's called Start a Nonprofit in 90 Days. We're going to have a class, it's an online class on demand that will take you through every step that you need to take in order to start a nonprofit organization. So there's video instruction, you'll have checklists to stay on track. You'll have a list of every, uh, every state agency that you need to be in contact with so that you can register your nonprofit. Every federal agency will give you worksheets to flesh out ideas. You'll have the ability to chat with me. You'll have downloadable forms and instructions. So if you're a member of the Nonprofit Utopia community, you can have access to the course for $125. And if you're not a member of the Nonprofit Utopia community, you can have access to the course for $175. All right, starting in September, and I'm sorry, I have the wrong um, date here, starting September 10th, going from September 10th through February 25th, we'll be doing capacity building blocks. That is a very intensive set of workshops that you'll have. You'll have 14 workshops um, that are three hours each for 13, and then we'll have an additional workshop that will be a full day grant writing workshop. So we'll show you things like how to assess your leadership capacity, develop your own leadership plan. We'll also show you how to assess your organization and develop a plan for sustainability. But also the important thing is making sure that as you develop your leadership plan is done within the context of what your organization needs. And then the various workshops in between will show you things like how to recruit and develop your board, how to do strategic planning, how to develop your program, how to do budgeting, how to do fundraising, all of the basic skills that you need as the leader of a nonprofit organization, either on the program side, on the board side, or as the executive director. 
All right. So we're saving you years and years worth of trial and error going through this program. All right. And then we also have the nonprofit founders challenge. So for those of you who want additional handholding, we have the nonprofit founders challenge where we work with you for 90 days, holding your hand as you go through the state processes, as well as apply for your 501c3. We'll show you how to prepare for your first board meeting, show you how to flesh out ideas for your program and fundraising plan, as well as develop your budget. So that is a three-month coaching program. So if you're interested in that, let me know in the chat and I'll make sure that I get you the information. All right. So at this point, I am going to end here. I'm going to take any questions that you might have. Those of you who are listening and your nonprofit Utopia members, we can continue this discussion in the nonprofit Utopia community. You can set up office hours. You can create posts for other people to respond, to share ideas and all of that stuff. For those of you who want to stay in contact with Nonprofit Utopia, you can follow us on Twitter. Um, you can uh, also email me at Valerie F. Leonard at nonprofitutopia.com. You can also find us on Facebook, follow our YouTube channel, and all of that stuff. We're also on LinkedIn. All right. So I am going to check and see if we have any questions, see if we have any um, comments. All right. All right. So Lakita Williams, thank you. Thank you so much for stopping through. I'm not sure if you're still there, but I really, really appreciate Lakita Williams stopping through. She and I are recently connected on LinkedIn and she saw fit to stop through and listen for spell. So I really, really do appreciate that. All right. Here is Apostle Dale Evans. Good morning to you. Good morning. I hope you're still there, but if not, I truly understand. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate your stopping through. Dale is a longtime associate and he and his wife have been awesome friends to me. I thank them so much for their support. And this is just another way he is supporting. All right. Um, Juan Whipple, Jay Whipple, thank you. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate you. Um, Juan is with Black Pages Worldwide. If you are a Black-owned business or Black-owned, well, not Black-owned, a Black-controlled nonprofit, you know, feel free to do a listing on Black Pages Worldwide. Okay, from Dale Evans again. Thank you for sharing today. You are quite welcome. And Lakita, I'm still here listening intentionally. Thank you. Thank you so much. It really makes me feel good to see people, especially folks I'm just meeting. You know, she and I, I believe, just met within the past 24 hours. It's been less than 48 hours, and she's already uh, listening to some of 
the live streams and I really appreciate that. Okay, so are there any, any questions before we close out? Any questions, any comments? And again, if you're with the nonprofit Utopia community, we can continue this conversation in the community. We also have office hours for us to do a deeper dive. Are NFPs that are established able to get scaled up within Nonprofit Utopia? Absolutely. We do have various resources, Dale, that you can take advantage of. We have over a thousand posts and different workbooks. We've got different videos. We have office hours. So if there's anything that you need, uh, we can help you do a deeper dive. Uh, if you want, we also have workbooks. We have assessment tools for you to assess your leadership skills, assess your organization's capacity. Um, you can do a capacity building plan. You could do a leadership plan. And you know we can set up office hours where I can give you some feedback or you can post you know some of your findings in the you know in the um, group and you can get group feedback. And if you need to do a deeper dive, you can also get 25% discount on any coaching that you might need. And anything that we offer, you know, there is a 25% discount for our members. All right. And membership is $14.99 a month, right? So you really can't beat that price for what you're getting. All right. So thank you for asking that. Are there any other questions before we go? All right, thank you so much. I really, really do appreciate your, your stopping through and continue to keep your eyes out. We're going to also, you know, we're gonna to continue to focus on volunteer management. All right, I am definitely, definitely looking forward to that. All right. You guys take care. All right. Bye-bye.